This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a hop off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that. Well, I would like to welcome back to the Sub-70 Podcast our PGA Tour insider, five-time winner on the PGA Tour and Ryder Cup member, and also now an author of Hunter of Hope, Ken Green. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. Looking forward to the conversation of talking about the uh, Open Championship and uh, and the book you've just written. Thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, big boy. Any time for you. Well, let's talk about the Open. Give me your uh, synopsis from sort of 5,000 feet, and we'll kind of dig into it a little deeper. But uh, let me know your thoughts on what unfolded. Well, I I, I know it wasn't probably, you know, as, uh, as exciting for, for many people because, you know, it turned out to be a kind of a ho-hem, you know, last five holes. But I I thought it was one of the more relevant and important Opens that we've had in a long time. And, you know, the idea that, you know, the RNA finally went back to Ireland after, I don't know, was it 60 years or close to it? Yeah. You know, was, was great because Ireland has far more good golf courses than Scotland ever thought about. And it, uh, there should be, you know, one or two on the rotation. And then the, the fact that there's so many, uh, you know, big names from Ireland, you know, you got Rory and obviously, you know, Darren was from there, although he's, you know, obviously past his, his you know, his prime, you know, Patrick, you know, and, and then, you know, the, the, the sneak attack, you know, which ended up being the best was Shane. And uh, it just goes to show you how much pressure that you have when you, when you put on your shoulders, the, your, your country. You know, and it, it uh, to me, it was phenomenal, you know, that Rory starts out like he did, basically out of pure nerves, uh, and, you know, just kind of throws his chances out the window, uh, and then and then Shane just sneaks up there and, and just played, you know, phenomenal golf, really, when you think about how well he played. And, you know, Saturday's round was just, was phenomenal, and then Sunday was just, you know, figure out a way to get it around because, you know, the, the the weather went typical, you know, Ireland, Scotland type weather. Do you think the Rory thing, like I saw he was trying to deflect a little bit. That's what it looked like to me when he was saying, oh, I'm just going to, you know, smile and enjoy this. Do you think the mistake maybe could have been in retrospect, not embracing the pressure that was there? And do you think that's maybe what sort of bit him on Thursday's round? Then he sort of, got into the Rory mode of relaxing and playing his style of golf on, on Friday, damn near making the, the cut. But do you think when you when you played in front of, you know, hometown in Connecticut or near your hometown, do you, do you just have to – did you – I shouldn't put words in your mouth. Did you, did you deflect the pressure or do you just embrace the pressure? Uh, you know, I, I, I always just said, you know, this is my, my best tournament. You know, I wanted to win Hartford more than anything. And uh, I – I just wanted it too much and never figured out how to play under, under the gun. And, and it, uh, it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it was a difficult, uh, you know, 
pill to handle that I never, you know, really, you know, even contended there and I wanted it so bad. And, you know, this is what Rory and, and, you know, uh, Graham and, and Shane, uh, you know, were going through and, and it, uh, especially, you know, Rory the most, because he's also, you know, from there, you know, you know, holding that, you know, shooting that 61 when he was 16 and, and being the stud that he is. Cause I mean, let's face it, he's still the, a stud. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's something that only he can really tell you the truth as to, I, I don't think he did tell you the truth, you know, by saying it, you know, it wasn't nerves on the first hole. It was, it was clearly nerves. And if he was thinking at all, your mistake should be right. It's, you know, it, it, so he, but this is what nerves and pressure does for you. It, it is amazing when you're not sound of head, when, when the nerves are getting in your head, you make some of the dumbest mistakes you've ever made playing the game. And it's like, what the hell was I thinking about? I mean, you, you just can't miss it there. You know, just play a sweeping big hook way out there. If you have to, you know, do, you know, I know he didn't expect it and I don't think he understood, you know, how he was going to feel in that first tee. But when he got over that first ball and all of a sudden realized this, he was not Rory. He, you know, he should have backed off and, and, and regrouped it and then come up with a different plan. And, you know, because that first hole just killed him. I mean, you know. Yeah, was... right. So is the thing to do in that situation, I guess, I mean, like, do you literally just need to step away, go through your pre-shot routine when you when you feel that coming on, that you're sort of not in the right mode to strike a golf shot at, at that level of playing on the PGA Absolutely. Tour? Yeah. If, if you don't, If you don't step away, the odds of you pulling off that shot, are so slim, you know, for even for Joe Blow and, you know, and the member member of the club championship. Uh, if all of a sudden they've got a, a an adrenaline rush or a nervous feeling that they've never had before, you've got to back off. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big guy in the, you know, the, the, your routine, but I am, I am a big believer in that. You got to recognize what's going on in your, in your body. And you got to recognize, whoa, this is just all nerves and excitement. So, you know, rethink what you're going to do. You know, obviously it all depends on what kind of hole it is. And, and then, you know, then you make that decision. But if you don't, if you don't back off, you know, you're, you're potentially letting a disaster happen. And, you know, in Rory's case, it happened. I was going to ask you on this too. Did, in your career, when you, when you won, did you ever have, you know, a three, four or five, six shot lead going into Sunday? And if you did, what is, what are those nerves kind of like knowing that it's, you should win you have a ton of time in the morning before you kind of get your routine started. What, what's that sort of like for a player to have? Well, I was lucky in the sense that I could sleep forever. So, you know, it's in Milwaukee, I, I was up by, I don't know, I think it was four or five. Uh, and I, I literally slept till, you know, 1130 in the morning. So, you know, I didn't have that four hours that, that most of the guys have today, but you know, my feeling, the way I always looked at it was I'm I'm going to keep playing exactly how I, I was. And, you know, the last four holes or something, then you'll make a, a, you know, regroup it is how I always looked at it. And, you know, I think I built up the lead to about seven and then just kind of backed off and, and, and coasted in. But it, uh, it, you, it, it, unless you, for some reason, you're leading and playing poorly, which you know, I guess there's a couple of guys on this earth that have maybe pulled that off. 
uh, why not keep playing the way you're playing? I mean, you're obviously playing really well, and I think that's the mistake that some of the kids make and that they, they overthink it, you know, and they, they do try to get a little cautious and little, let me play smart here. You know, let me, you know, let's, let, let's have those guys catch me before I start playing a little more aggressive. And it's like, just play how you've been playing, you know, because again, my thought was I have not won this tournament until it's over. I mean, I, you know, my very first tournament, uh, I was up by four on the last hole. And I still went through my process. Well, there's OB left. You know, if you do that and you work another, all right. So I literally blew it into the next fairway. You know, these are things that you gotta you gotta think that someone like a John Vandeville didn't do. Right. And you know, it, it cost him the open. And it, uh, but this is what happens under the gun. You just you just don't think right. It's sometimes you you, you think you are, but you aren't. And then next thing you know, that the worst thing on the planet's happened. And, you know, there's been tons of guys that have just kind of, you know, blown so many tournaments on the last, you know, hole or two. And it's all because of excitement and that extra rush of adrenaline. And then all of a sudden you're not thinking right. And it's the next thing you know, you're back at the whole hotel room beating on the pillow. I was always surprised, like, with the Vandeveld thing. Like, where was the caddy? Right, because you think the caddy could have still a clear enough mind to be like, "Hey, boss, let's just hit a six iron over to here, then a six iron to here, and then we'll wedge it on, and we're good." I always, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say, and you know, we've never heard from from either one as you know, did the did the caddy have a meltdown also, and and just kind of got lost in the moment, or did he actually say something to him? And, you know, he got overruled because the caddy can only say something. You know, the player's right. the one that makes the final decision. But, uh, you know, I had no problem with with him hitting driver, you know, on that. Uh, but when he, you know, he got incredibly lucky when the ball stayed uh, uh, out of the burn. But then, you literally, all he had to do was hit wedge, wedge. Right. I mean, I, you know, no one's ever going to remember, you know, hey, I, I won the British Open, but you, you were a uh, a scared cat and, and laid up and laid up and laid up. No one will ever remember that. They're going to, it's the, it's the final, the, the final position is what matters. And it, uh, he just, wow. You know, yeah, I mean, still amazing to today. How can you ever explain that? Were you surprised on Sunday that I know the conditions were really tough. So, you know, I think anyone was under par in the last five or six groups, but were you surprised someone did not make a run at, at Lowry at all, where somebody just caught, you know, as much fire as you can have that day and let it all go out and, you know, have a run at the leader. Were you surprised that did not, or do you think the conditions were just so difficult that that was going to be really hard to do for any of these world-class players? Well, I I think it was, was a mistake come off wrong, but I think the reason they couldn't make a charge is because no one drives the ball worth the crap anymore. And when the wind really started blowing, they didn't know how to keep it in the fairway. And, it, you know, today's players are, you know, they're lucky if they hit half their fairways. I mean, you know, that's a great driving round nowadays. And now all of a sudden you get this wind coming out of, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 miles an hour, and you have got to stripe it. And, you know, they just, today's guys are not. You know, Brooks might be the closest, but this was these were much tighter fairways. You know, the other places Brooks has been a stud on had a little more, a little more room. And 
didn't have the, the, the massive wind where now you have to be, you know, you have to be dead on uh, in, to control that, that, you know, your, your ball flight, you know, versus how the wind's going versus the shot you decided to hit. You know, so all of a sudden there's three or four variables that you have to piece together. And I, I mean, they just don't have it in today's game. It's just, that's part of the negative of, you know, the hit and hit and bomb, hit and bomb that when you get those kind of weather conditions, it, it's tough. I know you kind of mentioned this earlier. I believe you were just on a trip over to Ireland and playing and obviously, you know, the golf course looked great at Royal Port Rush and I hope it's on the road and I'm sure you agree permanently. I thought it was great. Um, what courses did you play when you went over there and, uh, you know, what were some of the highlights from your trip? And it sounds like it's just, a, I've never been over to Ireland yet, but it sounds like a wonderful place to, to spend some time uh, play some I, golf. I will tell anyone who loves golf, if you don't get over to Ireland once before you're, you know, too old to do anything, you're an absolute fool. It is, it is mind-boggling how good those golf courses, how good those golf courses are, and what a different game it is. You know, we, uh, I, I played Port Rush the first time I went over to Ireland, and uh, this time around we went to, you know, Bally Bunyan and. and uh, uh, Waterville and, and Trey Lee and, and uh, Doombeck, Old Head, and we played Royal County Down twice, and just just incredible golf courses. Old Head is, I, I never thought I'd say the day that I I would make the statement that Pebble Beach is nothing. I mean, Old Head made Pebble Beach look like it was just a nice little golf course. The the, the views and the holes there are just stunning. So if 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 you if you have to include old head, and it's uh, it, it's just it's just a, it's a different game which you can you, you can experience with the, whether it's the wind or the rain. You know, I mean, where else does it does it blow twenty five miles an hour and then monsoon? You know, but you still have to play because the course just keeps the water just drains away. You know, we we never play in this stuff over here. Yeah, you just you know we get some rain and we're we're all wusses. We go flying inside. Right. You know, and and uh, you know it's unless you're a quote Lee Trevino type player who just you know would hit it low all the time and and work the ball. You know, playing over over in Ireland or Scotland is is really hard. How good was Royal County Down? Oh, I love Royal County Down. I I mean. To, you know, prior Royal County Down is a better golf course for uh, the big boys. You know, Old Head has just got the beauty and all that, but Royal County Down is is just it, it just doesn't get any better. You know, hole after hole, it it uh, you just have you got to play all the shots, and you know it, it's funny because when I went over there in '01, obviously I was two legged version, and you know I was more about my score and trying to you know beat up each course. Whereas this time around I was more about analyzing the holes, you know, and, 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 and really appreciating what they were. And, uh, it was so much more satisfying analyzing the holes and not so much worrying about how I played. And we played Royal County down in a wind that was like, Whoa, you know, this is just a beast. And it's, uh, but, but, you know, Everything's fair. There's nothing that's like incredibly bad. 
it, and it's it's there for you. You know, and you know, obviously, if you get in those pot bunkers, you got to plop it out. But you know, you know they're there. I mean, that's just part of the game. It's no different than a water hazard or you know a, a line of trees in in America. If you hit it there, it's kind of your fault. Now you do get boned when some of these bounces in the fairway, but you know there's there's a reason they do that over there, and, and that's part of it. And that's that's to play with your mental psyche, and it uh, it plays with a lot of us, you know, especially the Americans, because when we go over there, we've never really encountered that kind of golf, you know. So in our heads, it's unfair, and then you beat on yourself, and you beat on the golf course, and next thing you know, you you know you finish. 39th or missed the cut and you know it uh that's why players like you know the watsons and the nicholas and the tigers of the world have, have won as many as they have because their heads were so much better than uh us other players that were good players but they knew how to shake off adversity better than we did you've played in the open championship a multitude of times it- what what makes it like from a player's perspective? I mean, I, from a fan's perspective, I think it's the greatest championship in the world. I mean, that and the Masters, it's close. But gosh, I I think the the Open is just it would be my apex if you could if I ever had the talent to be on tour and I could win one, that would be the one which is never going to happen. But I love that championship. From a player's standpoint, what just makes it so special? Well, I think it's just the history, you know that that you know. Obviously, I'm not a big fan of how they talk about major records and they count guys from 1880. You know, it was a world. You know, they were just you know all that kind of stuff. But um, but it's just the history. And here and again, I'm kind of contradicting myself by saying the history does matter. But so it's you know Jack and 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 Arnie revived the Open because the Open was was kind of dying. You know, Americans didn't go over. You know, you got to remember back in the 40s and 30s and 50s and even the 60s, there was no money. You basically, you basically lost money going over there. So it uh, until until Jack revived this concept of the majors being the only way to really evaluate a a career, and and then from you know, but that's 59 years ago. So we've had so much history along with the the previous years and, and it's just I mean it's the home of golf. You know, you got St Andrews, which people have a love hate relationship with. You know, I think I personally don't like St Andrews and, you know, others think it's the greatest thing on the planet. So it's it's uh but then it's weird because some players will say they want to win the Masters more than anything. Some will say the open's the biggest one and then others will say it's the US Open. So it just—it's weird how all golf pros will come up with a different reason why one is a better event than the other. Hey, it's Jason at the Sub Seventy Podcast. We want to let everybody know that our Sub Seventy CB Forged Irons should be in stock hopefully in the next week or two. And along with that, we will also have the combo sets available with our new Six Thirty Nine Forged MB. You'll be able to pick out exactly where you want the blade iron to start and stop. And the same with the cavity back to make the perfect forge set. Once again, everything is always custom made to your specifications here in Sycamore, Illinois. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We're always glad to help with uh, any shaft questions or club fitting needs you may have. You can see all this available at golfsub70.com. 
Thanks again for listening and hope you enjoy the podcast with Ken. Interesting too on Shane Lowry, and I kind of wanted to talk about this. And back to Oakmont in 2016, where he enters that final day with a four-shot lead and you end up losing by three to DJ. In some sort of a weird way, does going through something like that, in your opinion, help in the sense that he knew what to expect yesterday? He knew how his nerves would sort of be, um, you know, playing with a lead at a major. And do you think that kind of experience helps him get over that finish line yesterday where it's not going to be something he's never experienced before? And obviously he's been playing well this year. He won in Abu Dhabi, and he's been trending the right way. But do you think an experience of that kind of failure, if you take it the right way, can can help you get over that finish line, uh, you know, like something like yesterday, even though it was a tough pill to swallow for him in 2016? Yeah, I mean, that's what some people believe. I'm I'm not so sure it really did. Um, because, you know, it, only he knows if it was pure nerves at the opener. Here, herein lies the difference about when, when people say, well, this guy choked on, in, at the U.S. Open, and this guy, you know, choked at the Buick Open. You know, the, the problem with choking at the U.S. Open is that with the slightly mishit shot at a major, a U.S. Open or, you know, an Open, is you pay the price more because either the rough is thicker or, you know, over there in, in the open, you have the winds like, it, you know, you did Sunday. But it's not that they're choking any more or less because it's a major. They're, if you're just nervous, you're nervous. It, it won't matter whether it's the Buick Open or the U.S. Open. You just it, it, it just gets multiplied and people remember it more because those are the, quote, big ones. Uh, only Shane could probably tell you, you know, how much he learned, you know, the main reason that I, I think it was harder this time around was because he's, he was playing for his country. You know, this is, this is Ireland's hope. And it, uh, that had to have been, you know, such a, a, a massive bolt of extra pressure. Um, you know, I mean, look how he's look at that opening tee shot it was all nerves. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, but, you know, from that point on, he seemed pretty good. And then he started getting really nervous again around 8, 9, 10, 11. And you could see things were, were kind of falling apart. The holes were so hard that the only reason nobody caught them is because they were so damn hard. Right. So right. even though he might have been panicking a, a, a little, everybody else who was trying to catch him was pressing so hard and couldn't get the ball in the fairway. So no one ever put any pressure on him. And then, you know, then, then he, you know, makes the birdie on 15. And, you know, that was, that was all she wrote from that point on. And then, and then he, you know, basically played, you know, flawless coming in because he, he had, he had gone through the adrenaline rush of the, some of the bad shots and now it calmed it down. And, you know, that's the, that's the ebbs and flows of, of the, you know, the game of golf. And, uh, it, it's, I just, I don't think enough credit is given to this young man. Uh, for how much weight he had on him. I mean, just, you know, like I said, look, just look what happened to Rory. And he clearly a five times the player that Shane is. And, and Roy, you know, you know, he just lost it, so to speak. And it, uh, it, it just a, a massive amount of pressure. And the other thing that people don't, uh, like over here in the States might not understand is that, uh, they love the game 
and respect the game more than we do. We we have people that love the game, but we have we have so many people uh, that are going to events because it's just it's the social thing to do. You know that they've turned golf into you know twenty five percent of diehard golfers, seventy five percent of let's go have fun. Whereas over there, it's probably the other way, and they just they have a different kind of respect. Uh, for the game of golf than than we do. I don't, I'm, you know, again, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, I, I do believe that, that for that reason, I think it was harder for Shane this time around. And I, I don't know if I don't know if he really could have pulled up any info from the errors he made at Oakmont. Totally different arena. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's probably the championship he wants the most, and to do it at home, right? That's a has to be a whole new level. Yeah, of absolutely. of a situation he's never been in before, but you know he's he's kind of a gamer. If you kind of look at him, like most of the time he gets in contention, he's for the most part he's a pretty damn good finisher, and he seems to kind of you know he's got a WGC. Like he's he's tough under the gun for the most part. So yeah, it's uh, well, it's I mean, good... you know, people forget that you know he wins uh, as an amateur the Irish Open. That's pressure, you know, which is obviously not easy to do, and I believe he did it at Port Rush. Yes. Uh, and then he won the Irish Open a couple of years later. So, I mean, obviously, he he feels well there. You know, he, he, he doesn't hit the panic button and say, like, you know, well, I'll, I'll use me like I might have at, at Hartford. He, he somehow channels it in to a calmer Shane Lowry because I, I, I don't know how many European wins he's got, but, you know, he's won three times that I know of. Uh, so, and I know he hasn't that many wins. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. What'd you think of Tiger this week? Uh, to, looked to me a little out of sync. I wonder how bad his body is hurt. And there's, it seems like there's more going on there. And I don't know if it's just cause it's, you know, 60 degrees every day and cold and it can't be good on four back surgeries, but I don't know. It didn't look like, you know, third or fourth gear was sort of there from afar. I don't know if you have any sort of assessment from kind of watching him the first I, couple of days. I thought he was dead on Thursday. I, he just wasn't, something wasn't right. Something, either he just mentally wasn't there or physically he also wasn't there. But um, I, I think I think what we're really seeing is how much that, uh, what was it, five-year, you know, fall from, from grace and, you know, the injuries and, and the mental stuff. Uh What's what is done to him, and that what you know, winning Augusta. I I, I think it's I, I think it's a burnout. I I, I didn't I never I, I never thought you know the, the the either the best or the second best, depending on who you are. Uh, you know, would fall to that kind of uh, I won't call it demise, but that kind of of emotional you know relief. Uh, it was amazing because, you know, this is Tiger Woods. I mean, he's been the most the greatest mind on the game since Jack. And, you know, so so people, we just assume that, you know, he wins the Masters, that he's got a really good chance to win the others. And the idea that he just, you know, misses the cuts and all that, to me, is is clearly a sign of how much that Masters meant to him and that, you know, he's been fighting for, you know, five plus years to get this back. And, and 
I, I honestly think by next year he'll be he'll be back to whatever he's going to be. You know, at the age of you know forty four, I think he'll be next year. Um, you know, but I I still I still don't see why he's not going to win. You know, one or two more majors without a, without a doubt. He's just he's too good. He's going to have he's going to have he's just going to have those stretches. Whether you know Augusta is perfect for him, he loves it, and it's made for him. You know, so he's clearly going to contend there numerous times. And he's just too good, and, and you know, for the other venues, not to have a, you know, one week that pops up that you know he becomes Tiger again. J.B. Holmes, Brooks Kepka sort of incident. Holmes fires <laughs> a smooth eighty-seven on Sunday. He's taken forever. How should have did Kepka handle that the right way afterwards? And, and what do you think the PGA Tour should do about this in the sense that, I mean, Holmes looks like, I mean, to the viewer, it's just brutal, and he's not ready to go. I mean, it just takes forever. And we're seeing probably on TV, you know, the part when they actually think he's ready to fire the, the ball, and it still takes forever. Is Kepka handled that the right way, in your opinion? And, and can we do anything to speed up the play so they play like we do, where it's three, three well, and a half hours, I, and it's over? I, I, I think Brooks uh, is in for, you know, he's going to have to retrain his his outlook because too many of the, today's players are slow. So someone with, with decent speed is going to have to pull, is going to have to figure out how to pull it back. You know, he got off to such a bad start that now you start noticing these little things if, you know, if he had parred those first four holes or even, you know, played him one under, he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't be paying attention to it. Let's see. That's what, you know, that's what, this game does to you, you know, the, the, the little things, if they, if they open your little, little, little door in your head, all of a sudden the demon takes over and, and it, it, it can, it can bother you because it's insane how slow some of these guys are. Um, you know, my era, 80% of us were, you know, decent speed to fast and the 20 used to drive us nuts and we couldn't get the tour to do anything then. And, my, my brother, Slugger White, as uh, a tour official, uh, my brother-in-law, I should say, as uh, a tour official, says that the average round is about 35 minutes slower now. Yeah, I believe and that. And that's just today's players, you know, with the with the don't hit till the till you're you're ready, go through your routine, do all this, do that. You know, they don't even. It's like they don't even pull a club out or even start talking about it until after the guys hit a shot. Sometimes and it's like, wouldn't you have already done that? As soon as he hits a shot, you should be able to swing yourself. It's like boom, 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 boom. But it just doesn't work that way today. And uh, the tour hasn't had the the, the nuggets in, in the last thirty years to do anything about it. So I don't think anything's going to change. Yeah, I mean, if it was you, you know, at our home club, if you played that slow, you would get, you know banned from the group i mean you got to be ready right. right i mean you, when the yeah. other guy's looking it over you're getting your club and you, you fire at it and i play better i think most people play better when you kind of get in the rhythm of give me the yardage and what's the pin and see the shot in your head and pull the trigger right I mean, if i sit around thinking about it personally i get worse i'd rather just play and let the flow go do it but it's uh it's an interesting topic of how long it takes sometimes and maybe you know jb's just the he's getting the poster boy for the whole thing but you know, that's crazy oh, uh, that it's half hour, you know, worse than your generation of playing. Right. I mean, but I don't know ask, how you solve no it. No one's asked, 
and I don't mean to interrupt, but no, well, yeah, I do. You, you talk too much. Uh, no one's asked JB Holmes. Well, when you're home with your buddies, do you do you go this low? And when you're home with your buddies, you're shooting 64, 65, 66, like it's nothing, because you know you're, you're more relaxed. So why all of a sudden, because you get on a quote tournament day, that you've got to slow everything down? And this is part of our, our world with, the, you know, again, the sports psychologists and, and everybody else. But, you know, it's a fine line But in this game. Sometimes you can try too hard and think too much, and you, and you end up doing what he did. And then there's other times where if you just flew around, you wouldn't play, you know, you, you, know, you, you have to take your time to fit your normal pace. And you only find your normal pace when you're out with your friends. And to me, if you're not playing the same speed that you are when you're with your friends, you're hurting yourself. And in the same, in the same concept is if you're a talker with your friends, but you say nothing on tournament days, you're not being your true personality. Whatever your personality is, you have to make sure you're doing it on tournament day as you are on a normal day. Because then if you're not, I think you're becoming a different person. And then I don't think you can get the best out of you. Well, let's switch gears here. Um, you have a book that is, that is out, Hunter of Hope. And my first question is, how, how did the idea of writing a book come to you? And, and what do you want people to sort of take away from the, you know, the book that you authored? Well, there's a, a, a numerous things that I, I hope they take out of it. But, you know, basically, I, I, my friends just kept telling me that I've I've got to write something. I've got to write something. Uh, you know, there's just so many different things have happened to me, you know, good and bad. Uh, and of course they didn't know about Honduras, but you know, my hope is that, that you can, you can, you can get through anything in life, even when, you know, cause I, I have fallen down miserable. You know, I, I tried to get back up and then I got knocked down again, but as long as you keep fighting, you can, you can, you can get through it. And it, it, uh, you know, life's, life's worth fighting for. I don't care whether you believe in God or whether you don't believe in God. You know, you've got to fight for life. But, you know, what, what purpose does it serve uh, if, if you have, you know, some, some ugly tragedies in life and you let, you let that own you and then you, you basically just go around the rest of your days spinning your head. So that's my, that's my hope that, uh, you know, they, they realize that you, you can you can't get through anything. And then, you know, also there's a lot of great, uh, you know, funny, you know, unique stories. And at least that's what I'm being told by complete strangers, uh, you know, that they hit all the emotions, you know, that they, they laugh, they have anger, they have tears, you know, they have inspiration, you know, they have, uh, oh, this guy's a whack job, you know. It's so, you know, only time will tell as to how, how many books we can put out there. But uh, my main purpose is, is is trying to help people. There are some funny stories in it. And this is one of my questions, but it sounds like you're already kind of on it. Like, of the, the funny stories that people come up to you that you might not even know, is there is there one that's sort of at the top of their list where they're like, oh, my God, that was absolutely hilarious and classic. Only Ken Green could have pulled this one off. Uh, well, obviously the masters of ones are good, but believe it or not, people, some people have asked me if the spaghetti thing on the plane was true, you know, um, where it got, uh, 
basically poured over my head by my my uh, ex-wife, where uh, she had she had she had come up with the, the idea of well, let's bring a bunch of spaghetti sauce over there because we're going to Hong Kong, and I'm a real picky eater, so we'll just have noodles and sauce. And we had had some dumb argument or something. I don't I don't really remember what it was about. And uh, you know, she's now she's not going, and she's going, she's not going. We're at the airport. She's still yelling back and forth. Finally, she she had disappeared. I told her to go home. And okay, so I'm getting on the plane, and there she is on the plane, you know, or in the runway there. So we're getting in there. We're on the, you know, they paid for first class seats. And the next thing I know, she's giving me a hard time again. I'm, and I'm like, oh my God. And I just said, just go home, go, go, go. And I put my stuff down and I turned around and boom, the, the Tupperware of spaghetti sauce was all over me. I mean, it was like, nobody believed that that really happened. And I'm like, it happened. Just go find those people in first class. Is that you remember it? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, so it's just you yeah, know some, some of my nipples have been you know kind of classic, and you know the master stories have been unique. So it, it's it's an enjoyable read, and it, it's a quick read. I don't I don't believe in uh, adding fluffy lines and words. So it's a uh, you know it's to the point. You know my stories are all boom bang. You know, and then you go from there, and only. Only time will tell whether whether you know people like it. Yeah, we and we touched like I said. There's some really classic, funny stories, and there's also obviously some really tough ones. And the one of late that's getting the most you know press is you coming forward about the abuse that you suffered as a child living in Honduras. And I know it's important to you that it's out there to help other people. If it can help save one person or change laws, stuff like that. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, having right. this subject come up, I, I, I mean, it has to be very difficult. I can't fathom it, but yet there has to hopefully at the end of this be a, some positive that can come from it as well. And if it makes, you know, more awareness or, like you said, laws get changed or stuff happens, I'm assuming that's the part in the end that you kind of want from this because to put yourself out there like that and, and to talk about it, it I mean, I can't even wrap my brain around what you've been through, but I'm assuming there's a there's a there's a reason why you're doing it and letting you know the, yeah, the public know it, about it, this. You know, uh, when I decided to to write the book, and then you know, I, obviously, I decided to tell a couple people about what happened because prior to that, no one had known. And uh, you know, many of them wanted me to keep it out, and I'm like, I can't. You know, that's just not my. If I'm gonna if I'm going to write it, my life, I've got to write my life because whether I like it or not, you know, that, that changed me. You know, I'm the person I am is, is only because of what happened in Honduras, you know, you know, and that will forever be, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a bad person or anything, but, uh, I, I think I would have been a far better person if Honduras doesn't happen. You know, I probably wouldn't have, you know, had the, relationship problems that I've, that I've had and, and everything else that comes with all that, that, you know, insane, uh, drama that happened down there. And, and it's, uh, you know, my hope is to be able to, you know, to talk to some people and, and I've gotten already numerous, uh, you know, letters and, and conversations with people that, uh, are, are my age. And, you know, they told me I'm the first one that they've told that then, 
they're you know they're they're glad that I'm doing it and it's uh it's it's something that uh hopefully because of what little notoriety that I've I've had you know it we can get we can get the uh, the media world to pick up on it more I'm a little stunned that it's taken me it uh it's it, it's hit me a little harder than I expected I don't know it's because if I blocked it for so long and just you know whenever it popped in my head I just pushed it back and and you know whereas now you're talking about it openly and 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 going through stuff and and it's uh so I I am surprised that it's that it's hit me I've had my moments of you know where you just kind of lose it and it's uh but you know I guess in some ways that that might be helping me in the long run yeah I saw you know, like, uh, I'm friendly with Kalkovecchia and I saw like a, you know, he didn't even know and as tight as you guys are and all that stuff. Like, so some of your closest friends never even knew I, about I told this. no one. Yeah. And is I it, mean, think about it. I mean, how, you know, you know, I remember my father, those last, those last words, you know, you know, kid, I'm sorry. Don't ever tell a soul and you did nothing wrong. Uh, and that's what I did. I, I, I mean, I never told the soul for 50 years almost. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's a hard thing to, to, like, to talk yeah. about, you know I mean? You know, and in, and in the book, I go into a little more detail because, uh, I think too many people in America, because it's such an awful subject, uh, don't understand how, intense and physical and nasty this abuse can be you know and they they kind of sugarcoat it with uh well maybe it's just some touchy and, and this and that and uh you know that was the decision that i had to you know fight with and uh again if i'm going to tell the truth i'm gonna i'm gonna have to tell the truth and, and it's uh you know i i just think it's a shame that that the powers to be in, in these states uh, and feds don't do enough to help kids. I mean, we know how many kids are getting abused in, you know, in terms of ballparks, but uh, and some of the laws are so lenient. It's just these are kids. I mean, I was just a kid. I mean, it, it should never happen to anybody. Yeah, it's it's really courageous of you, Ken, to to go and put yourself out there and. and talk about these things as I, like I said, I, I, you, know, you, I can't even, you know, wrap my head around it, let alone, you know, feel like I'm even can't even comment on it, but I think it's, it's, it, it shows a lot of courage on your part. And hopefully, you know, it's also the helping of the other people that this helps one person or two people, it, one person, uh, it's worth it. it. And it, hopefully that's, it, it, is it, and is it, I mean, when people come up and, and say thank you for talking about this, it has to make it. Does it does it help your soul a little bit that you're doing this for the right reason? And you and does it make all that pain? But there's, what am I trying to say? With all that pain, yet there's good on the other side. After all these years, it's coming out. That has to, you know, make you feel like you're doing this for the right reasons. And and even though it's brutally hard for you, helping other people has to be. Uh, the end goal of this, I have to imagine, and I'm, I'm hope, I hope it brings some 
you know, closure if you ever can get something like that from that, or knowing that you're helping helps your soul a little bit as well. Oh, I'm 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 very relieved when you know, like I said, with some of these the, the letters I've received and and the conversations that I've had, and and it uh, you know it, it does do a, a heart good that that you're helping other people, you know, let it out. And, uh, you know, you know, a, a couple of them have said they're going to, you know, they're going to go talk to their spouse. And, you know, I mean, I had one person who was 72 and, and he had never told anyone. And, and it's, you know, it's just like, it's like I was talking about earlier. It's just that you, you become a totally different person and your, your personality changes. So, you know, like now, now that this is in my head all the time, you know, now I got to fight with, well, who would I have been, you know, you know, and would I have not done this mistake or how would I have handled this stuff, you know, which is, of course, the worst thing in the world you can do, but let's face it, we're humans, I guess that's what we do, but, uh, you know, so it, it's, it, I can't be happier when, when someone tells me that, that uh, they're proud of me and, and they've helped me you know, get through it. And they, you know, they decided to, to talk to someone they love and, and let it out. And so they can let it out so they can at least let the secret out. I mean, you know, their, their lives are, are moving on, but at least it can be out of their head and, and they can, they can, they can go through life without, without as much anxiety. This is what's, you know, amazing on the book of how, you, you know, sometimes I, I read through the book. I don't know how you're still standing, but you know, then what happened, uh, you know, with your brother in the RV accident and your leg and losing your career from a golf standpoint at the same time, your girlfriend is taken from you, your your dog's taken, like, you know, and then, you know, the tragedy of your son, it, I can't, I don't know how at times, if you just read the book, which I've read it, to me it's amazing you're still standing and you're still strong enough to do this because... It's, it is a crazy story at some level of the things that have happened to you in one lifetime. Um, you're, you're courageous as hell, bro, because I don't know if I could have gotten through it. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how I, how I haven't lost my sanity or, or you know, called it a day or because so much has happened and, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's just my stubborn personality or, or that that fight for life that I, you know I was talking about earlier, and uh, you know that you know it, it just doesn't. I don't or not wanting to like. I know this sounds bizarre, but um, you know I went through the real bad depression with the suicide, and you know, and, and the book will explain all that. And you know, I'm alive because of a dog. I mean, literally a dog. And the idea that I. I don't want to fail again, you know, even though I, I know it's, it's not right to say that I failed because, you know, depression is depression. You can't control when that happens. You don't know about it. But in my mind, and this is where I'm kind of hard on myself, I believe I failed. So I don't want to fail again. So now all this other stuff starts happening, you know, and I've made a promise to myself that I'm going to fight for life. And I, and, and, and it's hard, you know. When I lost my son, that, that one, that was like, oh, wow, you know. And it's like, I never, I never asked, you know, 
big guy or, or you know, why or, or anything like that. I, 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 I said, really, you know, <laughs> like really, but it's, uh, I'm gonna, you know, I, I just, ha- I, I just refuse to give up. I, I, I just, whether I have, you know, five days left on planet earth or, or 25 years, I want to, I want to fight for every day. Well, it's, uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the book is an, it's, uh, like I said, there's times I was laughing and times I was in tears reading it. And it's, it's, I think it's an important book. And I, you know, I hope people, you know, get the book, read it, and, and hopefully your life is, is, is touched in a positive manner by the end of it. Of, of, like I said, the courage you've had to face what you've faced. And I also want to say, just, you know, growing up playing golf in the 80s and 90s, you were one of my heroes. And uh, the courage you've displayed with everything you've been through. You know, it's it's well beyond, you know, like you were my hero for the wins on tour and the Ryder Cup and all that stuff. But this is a, it's it's pretty amazing when one of your boyhood heroes, you know, helps make the world a better place. And it's just, it's beyond the golf. So just want to say it's been an honor and a privilege to get to know you and, and what you're doing is, it's pretty amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. It means a lot to me. Well, thanks for being on. Um, like I said, uh, hope people get the book. Your insights are always, uh, you know, such appreciated because you've you've seen about everything in the game of golf you can you can you can have happen. So, always appreciate the conversation and uh, let's stay in contact and uh, love to have you on again at some point. Sounds good, big boy. Hey, don't forget it's KenGreenGolf.com that you can order the book. Yeah, is that the best spot to get it for people? Yeah, right now. Well, this is me being me. <laughs> I refuse to give Amazon the book right now because the piece of the pie that they want, you know, because I'm not really making anything on the book. I'm, it's all going to dogs. Uh, it's too big a piece. It's like, wait a minute. I have to pay for the printing and all this and the, and the editing and all this. And, you know, they, they take 25 they take 50% of the retail. So, yeah. you know, say it's, you know, 12 bucks a piece, they're going to make 12 bucks and our, our net profit might be 450. I just, I, I'd rather lose money than, than give Bezos more money. No, and, and I if think people are too, if they're too lazy to go to KenGreenGolf.com, then they're missing out. Yeah. And I think the people who, you know, love golf and where want to read this, I think they'll be able to find it, right? I mean, I think they're going to be able to know where you're at with it. So, no, thanks. I forgot to bring that part up. But for all the listeners out there, that's the best spot. And uh, also I know, you know, for uh, Ken will sign the book for you too. Uh, He did mine. I do everything myself. Yeah, it's on my shelf, and it's it's a pretty cool piece to have. So thanks again, Kenny, for everything. I appreciate it. All right, big boy. Be good.